This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Welcome to episode 193 of the Broadcast Podcast and this week we're continuing with the new series of Margins to Mike from Unreached Network. Margins to Mike brings together voices from across the New Frontiers family and further afield and in this episode we're in Nairobi hearing from Bonisi Malaba on discerning and confronting strongholds. When I see across the atlas, my heart bleeds on this canvas. So we map the plan out to bring healing for this cancer. Tunnel vision focus, seeing the broken and the hopeless. There's healing in this music as God spoke. We wrote Robert this. Mugabe I've is got still courage, I'm not stopping, I'm not headline. My gut's telling me it will Even get hard. For those of you who don't know, he was the dictator who ruled Zimbabwe from 1980 until uh, the 14th of November 2017 when he was deposed in a coup d'etat after 37 years in power. And you'd think that that would be the end of his place in the story, but at the time of recording this, this very week, you will still see his name making headline news in the newspaper. And the issue is this. After he died, there was a dispute about where he should be buried. The government wanted him to be buried in the National Heroes Acre, and his family insisted that he be buried at, be buried at his rural home. His family wanted his bones, well, his body was taken and buried at his rural home. Now, recently, the court has ruled that his remains should be exhumed from his rural home and taken to the National Heroes Acre. This is happening in the news today. And just as a way of disclaimer, this is not about education. Robert Mugabe at one time was one of the most educated heads of state on the planet. Zimbabwe is an educated country. The government, the people making these decisions, talking about these things are highly educated. The people talking about these things, making these decisions are also extremely wealthy in a lot of cases. But this points to a worldview. It points to something about the African worldview, and, and, and it's this, in the African worldview, everything is spiritual. And in the Zimbabwean worldview, there is the understanding of you have, um, you don't have dead people and living people. That, <laughs> this, 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 this story we're talking about points to the reality that in, in Zimbabwe, you have, you don't have dead people and living people, you have the living living and the living dead. The living, living are the people who are walking around. You can see them, you can touch them, you can watch videos like this. And then there's the living dead who have died, but are still very much alive and who influence the intricate details of our lives. And, 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 and that broaches onto this whole subject of ancestral worship, which is huge in Zimbabwe and, 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 and leads to witchcraft and leads to this, this engagement with and fascination with the supernatural. And so we're doing a case study on identifying and challenging strongholds. 
like the stronghold of witchcraft, witchcraft, which can take which can take hold of a culture. And so, in in Zimbabwe, I would say that you have strongholds in the sense of a stronghold of fear, culture of fear, and 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 a stronghold of suspicion. There's a culture of suspicion. And so, I'll just give you some examples from everyday life. If if you're having a meal with someone in Zimbabwe and they say, "Please pass me the salt," when you pass them the salt in traditional African culture, you don't pass it from hand to hand. You you pick up the salt and you put it down close to the person where he can reach it and then they pick it up you don't pass it from hand to hand because it's believed in traditional african culture that that if you um if uh, you pass it directly from hand to hand then you then the two people who did that are are going to end up having some sort of dispute or disagreement you, you don't want to do that as when when i grew up in in zimbabwe i was taught, like most children would have been taught, that if you're opening a drink, if you're opening a Coca-Cola, for example, that you don't um, open it in the kitchen and then pour it and bring it out. But in Zimbabwean culture, what you do is you you take the unopened Coca-Cola and then in front of the guests that you're serving, this is just the etiquette, in front of the guests that you're serving, you open it in front of them just in case something happens, they get sick and so on, and they think, because of the culture of fear and suspicion, the, they think that that person has fallen sick because they were poisoned in your home. I was taught growing up, when you, when you, when you go to someone's house and you offer food, if, if you say, yes, you're going to eat it, then you don't just start eating as soon as it comes, but you wait to see who else is eating, and particularly if the people who made the food are eating it as well and eating out of the same bowl as you or, 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 or dishing out of the same dish as you, just to make sure that nothing has been done to the food. Because you see in Zimbabwean culture and in, in a lot of African culture, everything is spiritual and nothing just happens. Someone's hit by a car, it didn't just happen. If someone is struck by lightning, it never just happens at just about every funeral in a traditional African home. When someone has died, no matter what the cause, the question is often asked, why did this happen and who did something to make this happen? So there's this world of curses and witchcrafts and, and, and ancestors. And I'm just going to go on a little little rabbit trail for a moment, but we haven't got time to chase it all the way to the end. But this is links in to the, to, to the, to the a concept in, in a lot of the African worldview is based around the concept of limited good. And what limited good means is that there's only so much good in the world. And so if, 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 if I have a lot of good, then it means that there's less good left for you. And if there's someone who's got a lot of good happening to them, then chances are the way they did that is by taking good from other people and passing bad towards them. And, 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 and so you have this culture where if someone's doing well, it's only because they've been able to push someone else down. And where people see someone else doing well, they feel that the way for them to do well as well is to pull down that person. A lot of that is using curses and witchcrafts and witchcraft and witch doctors and, 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 and um, 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 engaging with the ancestors and so on. So there's this concept of the limited good and there's the good news of the gospel that our God is a God of infinite goodness and infinite abundance and infinite resources. And as we, as, 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 as as we proclaim this God, it dismantles that stronghold. And so we live in the, with these strongholds of fear and suspicion in the culture. And there's some responses to that. There's some responses, and I'll give you three or four wrong ways to respond. One wrong way to respond is to say, that's just nonsense. There's no such thing as curses and witches and, and witchcraft and ancestors and so on. That's all just nonsense. And really, that's not so much coming often from a biblical worldview, as in fact, it's definitely not coming from a biblical worldview, that's more coming from a materialist or, or secularist worldview. 
another wrong response is a fascination then with, with, with witchcraft and the occult and engaging with it and engaging with the supernatural by any means other than through the name of Jesus. So you have this fascination with demonology and with, um, and with witchcraft. Or a third response is a fascination from the church, a fascination with prophecy and healing and deliverance ministries where there's a fast, if, 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 if someone can heal the sick, if someone can, can give an accurate prophecy, they really gather a crowd and, 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 and so there can be this sometimes unhealthy fascination with prophecy and healing and deliverance and uh, but uh, a very common response in Africa isn't just a dismissal in fact it's hard to find atheists in Africa traditional African atheists do not exist or there's or you have this fascination with demonology or fascination with prophecy and healing and deliverance but a, a very common response is actually syncretism where people will say I'm going to take what I need from Christianity and I'm going to take what I need from witch, witchcraft and ancestral worship and I'm going to marry the two and, and there's a reason for that and the reason for that is a gap in the church's mission because what happens very often is is people can come from outside and bring the gospel and they communicate the gospel like this you are guilty of sin jesus died for your sin such so you can be no longer guilty and there's no condemnation for those who are in christ so now you are free to live your life without guilt and after that to go to heaven now i don't think there's a single word in that thing that i've just given that was untrue but listen here's 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 the problem Africans generally don't walk around feeling guilty. You can communicate that to, to the African heart, and the African heart says, you know, that's good to know that I am not guilty, but actually, if I was honest with you, I didn't feel guilty before you came here. I didn't feel guilty, but I did and do still feel fearful, vulnerable, worried and anxious, powerless. And if the Christian gospel doesn't address those issues, then people will make sure that they're addressed somewhere else. And that's where syncretism comes in from a deficit in the preaching of the gospel. So I'm going to talk about three, three broad categories of tools that help us confront and challenge the stronghold of witchcraft and fear and suspicion in a culture. And uh, we're by no means experts in this, but we have tried faithfully to to make disciples incorporating principles like this. The first one is a biblical worldview. The second one is a gospel of victory. And the third one is a demonstration of power. A biblical worldview. Well, when you start with the, with the story of the Bible, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 sums it up so well. The Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. So materialists, there's a world that you can see and there's a world that you can't see. The, Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. If you want to worship the ancestors, if you give more respect to people, uh, the more they've been around, Around and the older that they are, well, the one who deserves ultimate respect is the firstborn over all creation, and his name is Jesus. For in Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. And in the invisible world, there's thrones and powers and rulers and authorities. All of these have been created through him and for him. And that dismantles the dualism that, 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 that operates in our spirituality where you've got good and evil and yin and yang in Eastern religion. But, but and, and, and in Africa, you've got good ancestral spirits and bad ancestral spirits. This is, no, 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 no. There are evil demonic spirits, uh, but, but, but they are created beings. And the one that we worship is the creator. This is a biblical worldview. 
And then it carries on through the story. And when you read the story through African eyes, you find we find tools to help us and equip us in this. And so when you see the uh, Moses uh, confronting Pharaoh's magicians in, in Exodus chapter 7, Moses and Pharaoh went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron threw his staff down in front of Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a snake. Watch this now. Pharaoh then summoned wise men and sorcerers, and the Egyptian magicians also did the same things by their secret arts. Each one threw down his staff, and it became a snake. This would freak me out. But, and it's a big but, Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Do you, do you see how the biblical worldview addresses the supernatural and addresses evil? And I, I don't have time to talk about the story of the Witch of Endor and Simon Magi, but you watch, you know, not to disparage him, but when you watch Western commentators grappling with this, it's, 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 these are challenging texts in large part because there's no Western worldview for this. But you talk about snakes, coming out of staffs and one eating another, that makes perfect sense to the African mind. Philippi, well, Jesus, you see him confronting demons, and these, this is part of the gospel that we proclaim. It's part of the biblical worldview. And Paul, he, there's an unnamed slave girl in Philippi. There's a lot going there economically and in terms of trafficking and all sorts, but she also, the Bible says, had, I think the literal translation is, a pythonic spirit. When you see that in scripture, the African mind says, snake, evil spirit, I get it. And I remember as we were grappling with this as a church in Zimbabwe, I spoke to an older, wiser, wiser Zimbabwean pastor, and he said, you know, if, you, if you're going to address the whole issue of spiritual warfare, great place to start. He, he said, I'll do it very scripturally. And he said, I would root myself in a book like Ephesians. And when he said that, for me, the penny just dropped because you see in Ephesus, it's, if you can do a case study in Ephesus as a case study in spiritual warfare, it can change the way that we read Ephesians. When Paul arrives there, you see in Acts chapter 19, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And then a few verses later, you see um, him teaching in the Hall of Tyrannus and giving good theology. And then a few verses later, you see extraordinary miracles, more of the supernatural. And then a few verses later, you see the seven sons of Sceva, this demonized... And, and, and this uh, whole concept of demonization. And then you see um, s- those who practice sorcery bringing scrolls and burning him and, 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 and uh, burning them. And this, 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 is, this, this is a window into the African worldview and into spiritual warfare. And it's part of the biblical worldview. And then when Paul writes the letter back, then, then we see what he means in Ephesians. Why we, there's this emphasis in the letter on the power that raised Jesus from the dead. And that we would know this power, that we would be strengthened with power in our inner being and then it talks about our identity in christ so important as we engage with witchcraft and the supernatural and then there's practical advice on godly living because sometimes we can tell people to shout at the devil and to pray and and this and that and then but but we can miss out that there are practical decisions and practical ways that we need to live that are part of the demolishing of strongholds of fear and suspicion and other strongholds in our culture and then we talk about spiritual warfare and spiritual armor in ephesians chapter 6 so you see how the Bible is actually full of this. And it's only when we are seeing it from the vantage point of a culture that has experienced the supernatural to a certain degree that this, this scripture, comes, scripture comes to light in a new way. 
So I'll start with a biblical worldview, and we mind that as much as we could. And part of that biblical worldview is the second major thing, which is a gospel of victory. It's, it's, it's a gospel where we don't just say that there is a spirit world and there is a God, but we want to be crystal clear that the gospel is a gospel of Christus Victor and his victory over demonic forces. It's Colossians 2 verse 15, having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. That is good news to the African heart. It's the gospel, not just as courtroom, not just as prodigal coming home, but it's the gospel as battlefield. And as our friend Andrew Wilson said, there's only ever been one victory, and this is it. So biblical worldview and the gospel of victory. And the last thing is a demonstration of power. We don't want to just talk. The kingdom of God is not a matter of words, the apostle Paul said, but it's, it's, it's a matter of power. And Paul demonstrated that kind of power when he set a, a, a slave girl free from a pythonic spirit by which she was apparently able to accurately predict the future. And uh, some helpful tools we found in this, um, Dave Devonish's excellent book, Demolishing Strongholds. Such a helpful approach on this whole subject. Uh, 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 right now in our church, we've, we're doing uh, a course that uh, Dave helped put together called Setting People Free. It's about biblical counseling and so on, but also as part of that, how to teaching, training our, our, our life group leaders, how to lay hands on the sick and pray for healing and handle demonizations so that we can demonstrate the Spirit's power. And uh, if you're like me, you know, I, if I'm honest, I'll say you, I, I actually am very comfortable talking about biblical worldview. I'm very comfortable co proclaiming a gospel of victory. When it comes to the, def to the demonstration of power, I'm not as good. I want to encourage us, friends, we need to grow in this. We need to be able to get our own faith for this and impart faith to others. But one of God's gifts is Ephesians 4 gifts that we can bring in to the church who are able to demonstrate the gifts of revelation, the gifts of power that um, uh, uh, rise the, 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 the water levels of these things in our churches so that we're not just proclaiming in word gospel victory, but we're demonstrating it in power. In Africa, nothing just happens. Everything is spiritual. That's led to strongholds of fear and suspicion. But we can challenge those through a biblical worldview, through a gospel of victory, and through a demonstration of power. Let's go do it. That's why we're here. That's why we're here.